The actual words of God for our sermon consideration today are from Mark chapter 11, Gospel for Palm Sunday, as Jesus makes his way into Jerusalem. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you. Just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at the doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colts to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus entered Jerusalem and... Okay, that's it. There we go. Hosanna in the highest heaven. We're good. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The danger was there. His enemies had already proclaimed him to be a false teacher and that anyone who followed him would not have a place in heaven. And while they had failed to trip him up time and time again, they basically still issued a warrant for his arrest that anyone who had knowledge of his whereabouts were to let them know immediately. This was a circumstance in the city of Jerusalem leading up to Passover, leading up to that first Palm Sunday. Every Jew knew about this. They knew that there was going to be a showdown coming between the religious leaders and Jesus. It wasn't a question of if. It was a question of when and how exactly the religious leaders were going to frame Jesus. Jesus' disciples knew this as well. It's why we hear them trying to, to dissuade Jesus from going to Jerusalem and saying, you know what, you could be captured, you could be killed if you go there, so why don't you just stay away, preach, teach anywhere you want, or if you have to go, at least go in secret. Don't let others know that you are going there. But Jesus knew this too. Not just from the hearsay rumors of other Jews and what the religious leaders had ordered, but he had in fact told his disciples that this was going to happen. Not only that it was going to happen, but that it needed to happen. And yet Jesus also made very clear that he was going to do it on his terms. He wasn't going to go to Jerusalem kicking and screaming, being dragged by the Pharisees. He wasn't going to go secretly. He was going to go on his terms. Yes, he was indeed a king, but a king on his own 
terms. And what trust this must have inspired in his disciples. The fact that Jesus knew exactly what was coming when he would go into Jerusalem, and yet he went anyway. A way for his disciples to say, you know what, maybe Jesus knows something that we don't. Jesus was eager to celebrate this Passover. He was eager to get to Jerusalem. Last week we heard how Jesus said, my time has now come. It was time to accomplish what he had always been in this world to do. Yet he had the presence of mind to still do it on his terms, in his way, to show that he was in control. And the first way that he showed that it was going to be on his terms was fulfilling an Old Testament prophecy. It's the prophecy we heard in our first lesson today from Zechariah. That prophecy that said, see, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, riding on a donkey. These words were not just describing any old king. These words were describing the Savior, the Messiah that the Jews had been waiting for. And so Jesus needed a donkey to ride to show the people coming as he came into Jerusalem and to show the Pharisees who exactly he claimed to be. He was a king, but a king on his own terms. But how to get that donkey? So he sent two of his disciples to one of the nearby villages, a village just up the road from where they were at the time, and he said, go fetch me this one particular donkey. Now, most Palm Sundays are, are spent describing how, how they got the donkey and whether Jesus used divine power to, to get it or if he had previously known the owners before. A lot of people focus on the fact that the donkey is, is an animal of peace, a lowly animal, a humble animal. And while all those things are true, I want to focus on one other aspect of that donkey. It's what I mentioned in the children's message. That donkey had never before been ridden. Not only would this have made it more difficult, humanly speaking, to actually ride the donkey for the first time, but in the Old Testament, God has specific examples of animals being set aside, animals not being used except for a special purpose, whether that was for a sacrifice or some other special purpose. And so it seems that this donkey was prepared for this exact special purpose. The special purpose to bear Jesus into Jerusalem for a unique mission by a unique Savior, a king on his own terms. And after everything happened, the way that, that Jesus had told, it, told them it would, down to the very last answer that they would give the owners of the donkey, they had that donkey. They laid their cloaks upon it, and Jesus then sat on it. He joined the crowds of pilgrims trekking to Jerusalem. Crowds from Jerusalem came out to greet the pilgrims, and all of a sudden, people started to realize what this was all about. This Jesus, who, who they wondered whether he would actually show up for fear of the, the Jewish proclamation, this was him, and not only was he walking, he was riding he was riding on a donkey, and whether people remembered the prophecy from Zechariah or not, 
It showed that Jesus was not afraid of the religious leaders. He was coming to Jerusalem on his own terms. Thanks be to God that he did that. Thanks be to God that he was a king on his own terms. Because this was the real rub against the religious leaders. The real rub that they had with Jesus, it was they had this idea of what the Messiah King would look like, and Jesus looked nothing like that. If they had a king, the religious leaders that is, a king on their terms, a savior on their terms, he would be a conquering king. He would throw out the Roman armies. He would be a bread king, feeding the nation of Israel boosting the economy like in the days of King David and King Solomon. And while Jesus could have done that, that still would not have taken care of the underlying problem. The problem of sin. The problem of death. Sin still would have condemned. Death still would have reigned. Thanks be to God that Jesus was also not a king on his disciples terms. The terms of his disciples to be that king were were to stay away from Jerusalem entirely, to continue going about the land of Israel, to be preaching and teaching, to perform miracles. And again, while Jesus could have done all of that, he could have healed the effects of sin, he would not have taken care of their root. Sin still would have condemned Death still would have reigned. There are people today who still wish to have Jesus a king on their terms. Just as there were people back then, so it is today, whether they fall on the the side of the Pharisees, more looking for this powerful physical king who would take care of all these physical problems. They want a king or they want a God on on their terms. I'll believe in you, God, if you'll only do this for me. I'll believe in you, God, as long as I want to live the way that I want to live and I want to do the things that I still want to do. I want God to forgive the things that I have done, but I don't want him to forgive the sins of the people against me. We need to look at our own hearts and See if at times we have wanted Jesus as a king on my terms. As long as it's convenient for me, Jesus, I'll follow you. As long as it makes sense, Jesus, I'll follow you. As long as I don't have to give up this tempting sin that I know is wrong, I'll follow you. As long as I don't actually have to share my faith, I'll follow you. As long as it's comfortable as long as it is on my terms. And yet Christianity on my terms really isn't Christianity at all. It's just focusing on what I like and what I want. And that problem still remains, where sin still reigns. Death condemns. So thank God that he was not a king on our terms either, but that he was a king on his own terms, not just for his benefit, but for the world. He faced down the wrath of the religious leaders by coming into Jerusalem, not hiding or not afraid, but boldly in the middle of a procession. 
He dismissed the well-meaning intentions of his disciples. He ignored any terms but his own. He rode into Jerusalem on his own terms, on a donkey, to be the king not the people wanted, but to be the king that people needed. And it was reflected by the cheers that the crowd shouted, whether they realized it or not, as they shouted, Hosanna, Lord, save us. And blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Both of these cries of sh- and praises come from an Old Testament book, the book of Psalms. Psalm 118, to be exact. And in this particular psalm, we see a king. We see a king who, although he seem, is surrounded by his enemies, he ends up defeating them. And then after the, the conquering king returns to Jerusalem, as he comes up to the temple, it's the priest who shouts out those praises, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the lesson of the psalm, the whole idea of the coming in the name of the Lord is a reminder that it was not the king's own strength that conquered their enemies, but that it was the Lord's strength, the Lord's power. Just as David fought Goliath in the name of the Lord, so this king fought Israel's enemies in the name of the Lord. And there were many in Israel who saw this as yet another prediction of the Savior to come. And they were right. So as Jesus rode into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday, the crowds laid their cloaks on the road. They cut down their palm branches, formed that red carpet procession, and said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus was a king on his own terms. He was a king according to divine plan. Jesus riding into Jerusalem was always part of God's plan. You can see that from Zechariah chapter 9. But everything that would happen to him in this coming week that we remember was also part of God's plan. It was part of God's plan to have him be betrayed, to have him be falsely accused, to have him be beaten and executed. All of this was still Jesus being a king on his own terms. There was never a moment where Jesus was not in control, even as he hung there on the cross for our sins. And all of this was done for you and for me. Now, the Christian author C.S. Lewis in the 1900s wrote his Chronicles of Narnia series. Perhaps many of you have read parts or one or two of those books. And in that first book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, C.S. Lewis uses it to kind of help explain Christianity. The main character in that book, a lion by the name of Aslan, willingly gives up his life as a sacrifice to save another. And like Jesus, he does it on his own terms. This is what Palm Sunday was all about for Jesus. It was coming to Jerusalem on his own terms. It was Jesus letting his enemies know that he was not afraid of them. It was Jesus coming to Jerusalem with a unique and holy purpose, shown in riding on a donkey, a divine purpose foretold in the Old Testament. And Palm Sunday was not the end goal for Jesus. 
the cross was, the empty tomb was. Jesus is not a king in the way that the world supposed him to be, but he was a king in the way the world needed him to be, a king on his own terms. And for that we can shout, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. Now my God who began a good work in you, carried out to completion on the day of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. This time we have...